Hey guys, what's going on? Something a little different today. We're talking Asia, and in particular, we're going to talk China. And I've invited one of my mates who knows the Chinese market really, really well. His name is Matthew Benjamin, and he's going to join us and give us some insights into how to do business in China, how to break into the Chinese market, what's going on, where he's looking, where he's investing, where he sees opportunity. Welcome to the podcast, bud. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. So tell us a bit about yourself. I know you. I know your story. Uh, but for those that are watching and those that are listening to the podcast who don't know who Matthew Benjamin is, what's your story, dude? Sure. So uh, after school, I went backpacking for a year yeah. and then wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. Found myself, long story short, in property. Uh, worked out really well. Spent about five years what sort in of property the funds management industry. Okay. So we're working with uh, mainly listed companies. Yeah. And then after a while, I wanted to change. So um, a buddy of mine who I was working with at the time, he was the oldest guy in the company. Sorry, the oldest guy in my, my team. He yeah. said, um, essentially, mate, you're doing pretty well. Yeah. I'm 35, got a kid and a wife. Yeah you're probably gonna be doing the same work for the next five years. Yeah. Although, you know, you're gonna probably get paid a little bit more, nothing much will change. Yeah. Go off and try as many things as you possibly can. Yeah. And if it all fails, this job will still be here for you. Good advice. Good advice, uh, I'm now in a very random, random place. If if you would have asked me then, what will you be doing in the next five years? I would not have said, trying to do cross-border deals, working in India, China, Indonesia, Hong Kong, Taiwan, uh, working with some leading investors, tech companies. So why'd um, you go into Asia? Other people like that. What, what lured you, why didn't you go to the US? Why didn't you go to London? A lot of people go to London, right? A lot of Aussies go to London or in the US and chase that tech dream. Right, what drew right. you into Asia? Well, look, a big part of it, I think, is identity. So my father's Indian. So, you know, I was always kind of curious about, you know, un- unwrapping that a little bit more. Yep. Um, but then, you know, looking at it from a, a purely a business point of view, it's really simple. In less than uh, 30 years, 50% of the world's GDP will be coming from Asia. 50% of the world's customers will be in Asia. In less than 30 years. In less than 30 years. So 50% of the world's economic growth GDP per capita yeah. is going to be coming from Asia so it's it's a pretty interesting uh, time I mean I was just on this self exploratory phase uh, post corporate and then I kind of found myself riding a bit of a wave and I think a mentor of mine said you know you know sometimes you find yourself in some very strange places yeah but you know you've always got to be ready to, to, to ride the waves and when you're on the, the wave just just ride it and I you know sometimes you've just got to follow what you're passionate about yeah and 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 I think that increases the serendipity opportunities that you know come your way because naturally I think you follow what you're interested in uh, you obviously become very passionate about it or if you aren't already and people see that and they're attracted to that mm. so um, you know for me it was you know I was curious about Asia I was really interested in the market, but also specifically this area of tech and innovation, and and since starting on the journey about I don't know two and a half years ago, I've had yeah. um, some really cool experiences. So what did you do? You just picked where'd you go? What was your first port of call 
So after leaving so Sydney, how do you I, just pick up and go to Asia and? So I I was taking just as a, weekends once a year I'd take a whole group of friends up to the Hunter Valley. Yeah. And then I became really good friends with this one guy at the last cellar door who had the most beautiful house. I said, you know, when I retire, I want a place like that. Yeah. He's like, that's good. You're gonna have to work. <laughs> you're gonna have to work to get it. Yeah. Uh, you know, probably a twenty million dollar property up in the Hunter Valley. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I left my job and I called this guy up and said, "Look, I've just left my job in corporate. Um, I'm really interested to sell wine to China." So you left first. Yeah, I left. I left without, without anything. Nothing. Okay. And I just picked picked up the phone. Takes and balls, man. I think also, you, you know, you find yourself in situations where um, were you just sick of it? Well, look, something's got to give, right? Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of people, you know, haven't got the courage to listen to their their instinct yeah and for the most part instinct has kind of helped me survive yeah you know that might sound like a funny thing but yeah. you know post high school and, and ever since like you know i wasn't an a-grade student they sucked yeah and i had to follow instinct i had to do things which other people didn't and that for me was following instinct you know i just figured well okay well how do i survive in this game it's not doing what everyone else does it has yeah. to i have to do something different so you know, for me, it was just like, well, I quit. It wasn't really working out. You know, I didn't, I, I didn't, I really wasn't enjoying my time right, in this so you corporate. Quit, you quit, you wanted to go to Asia. Because I'd got, been going to Hunter Valley every year. Yeah. I'm like, I'd watched a documentary called Red Obsession about how the Chinese were selling, um, sorry, how the French and uh, were Americans were selling wine to the Chinese. Chinese. And I thought, well, Australia's got, you know, a pretty good track record in that, yeah. that industry. Why not give that a shot? And this guy had an oversupply of high quality wine. And I figured, well, let's give this thing a shot. So long story short, we, we tested it, we set a pallet up, um, and the feasibility of it essentially diminished because we worked out very, very quickly that it's not just about getting stuff done on this side. The know, other side. And that you know follows the, the, you know, the law and the process and procedure, yeah. but it's on the other side. And the hard thing about China is that many parts of that you know, rule book, mm. are unpublished. Mm. And the other hard part about it, it's different depending on what part of China you're in. So I was trying to sell wine to Shanghai. I had no idea about the difficulties of getting through immigration. I had no idea about the difficulties of getting licenses, the difficulties hard then of getting distribution. Look, it's, it's very hard. You essentially need a local partner. How much harder is it than the reverse, than the Chinese doing business in Australia? Uh, actually, the Chinese that come to Australia, um, look, th th their mindset is, you know, you know, essentially, since 2008, you know, China's been on an economic boom. And even going back to, to, to the 90s, you know, it's been doing pretty, quite well. So the people, you know, in that society, you know, money is, 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 is their social capital, is yeah. their social currency. So it defines a big part of who they are. So they come to Australia, all they're interested in is business. Yeah. And they are so focused and they're so cost sensitive that, you know, they they kill it. And, and in terms but of but difficulty, but just on the point, it's very different. It's very different. Is it is it easier for a Chinese person to do business in Australia? Yeah, of course, of course. Than of it course. is for an Australian to do business yeah, in China. Yeah, of course, of course. And that's what I really want to highlight because I'm sure there's a lot of people listening to this or watching this thinking, oh, I'm going to build this awesome product or this awesome service. And then, oh, by the way, there's a billion people in China. I'm just going to go there and they're all no, going to no, magically no, 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 buy no. my product. See, you know, people have this very simplistic over-analysis and I, and I may have alluded to that in the terms of what I was saying earlier about 50% of the world's population or GDP might be in Asia. And, and from a macro top-down 
you know, analysis point of view, that, you know, that is what's happening. But, you know, when you're trying to do business in Asia, it's a people-to-people game. Um, you know, in, in the East, it's all about relationships. In the West, it's largely defined. Risk is defined and measured and, 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 and uh, minimized by contracts. Mm. In the East, it's through relationships. So, you know, when you're going into markets like Asia, yeah, you might hear a top-down story that, you know, there's a billion people or the market is so big or whatever. At the end of the day, you have to deal one-on-one with, with a number of different people in the value chain. Um, so whether you're selling a product or a service, you need to understand who the players are, who the who the existing incumbents are, even if you are working in, in the tech space. So and it's more important to build the right relationships first. 100%. As opposed to 100%. finding the right product. People people go to China, right, from Australia in this tech space, and they say, hey, Matt, can you, can you connect me with people? Yeah. And every single time I say, mate, just go there, experience it and understand what it's like. Yeah. Because what always happens is these guys just like ask for these relationships and never follow through. Mm. But those relationships are worth gold. Yes. And, and, and what people need to understand is that if you go to China and just have your game face on straight away and just talk business, 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 you know, you're going to turn a lot of people off. And it's a very, it's a very thin line between... Um, you know, doing business and having a relationship. Actually, it's one of the same thing. You know, your your personal life is your business life. So from a from a from an Australian point of view, we we generally have a fairly clear division, you know, in, in our in our you know offline world. So in our workplace we go to work and then we go home. But in our online place, uh, you know, Facebook setting up an yeah. enterprise uh, channel so it's going to be like facebook for work and facebook for home so in the online world we're coming a lot closer you know people you know used to add you on linkedin and now adding you on facebook and it's becoming like this china it has always been of you know this integrated society where a lot of the people that you know you socialize with tend to be all the also the people that you do business with mm. um so it's critical that you focus on china and and kind of go with a very open mind because um you know in terms of how you approach it, you know, I would almost kind of pretend that you, 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 you're going into a room, there's a new set of rules that you don't know, and you just trial the game. So you don't go in there with, you know, expectation that you're going to close a deal on your first trip. Yeah. Don't go in there, you know, trying to push the rules because you don't know the rules and the rules are probably going to school you. Just go in there and observe. Understand the culture because culture is the, the, the medium in which everything happens. That takes patience and that takes a business model that can afford to absorb time. Time time is precious, right? And I think if you don't have that, if you need to sell that extra extra set of whatever, you're what's not your, just gonna what's your risk return profile? And, and what's your risk return profile, right? If you want equities. Yeah. Right, you're getting a lot of liquidity, you can move in and out, like if they're big caps or whatever, you yeah. know, you know what you're Stocks. getting. Right, right. Where if you if you're investing in like commercial real estate or infrastructure yeah. the initial upfront capital costs are huge yeah but you you know there's there's an equal amount of upside so what you're saying is your greatest investment as a foreigner looking at doing business in china is the relationships 100 percent, and and not and, the physical aspects. yeah and, and don't don't treat it like some bullshit like uh hi, you know, I'm, I'm here to do business with you. I'm, I'm going to be, you know, chummy and be friendly with you. Like, yeah. you have to, you know, be authentic. You have to be genuinely interested. And if you have the right attitude and you're open-minded, and, you you know, it helps if you understand a little bit about, you know, uh, Chinese culture and history, 
you know, sky's the limit. You know, there's this, there's this uh, budget. A little or a lot? Do do is do you have to? Uh, I, I'm, it's a, I suppose a bit of an understatement there. So yeah. I mean, you know, ig- ignorance is bliss. So like, I'd expect people that want to do business in China have some basic understanding of Chinese history. Yep. Have some basic understanding of Chinese values and culture. Yeah. Um, how their social norms and values are defined. Basic one hundred and one stuff. I mean, yep. you know, when you go set up a business, you, you you know, you're trying to work out who your customer is, right? Yeah. So who's your customer, right? You know, yep. it's, it, it, it's it's not just about you know, the dis- discretionary spending or anything yeah. like that. It's like, what are the things that drive their discretionary spending? Yeah. What are the things that drive their behavior? And it's culture. One of the things I've noticed about Australians and maybe Americans and Westerners in general trying to do business in China, they stand out. Um, Lawe, they call them. Lawe, <laughs> white ghost. They stand out and they can be really condescending. They can be very inappropriate indeed, indeed. you know pushing their business card and i just see that and i'm like oh man you've got no you know you've got no idea how you're so, being perceived because yeah. you you know you how you do business in melbourne or sydney or brisbane is very different to hey, how don't you miss out na- don't, don't leave out adelaide and western australia <laughs> i'm sticking to the to the, to the cities yeah, okay, that actually okay. count uh, this is a bit controversial, mate. <laughs> but do you find do you find do you find Westerners condescending at times? Look, I think what happens is you get two very different people that um, come to the equation with different expectations. Yeah, and those expectations, you know, come through with how people project, and you know, if people project differently, i.e., how they how they seem to each other. If it's very different to what they're used to, it's naturally very awkward. Okay, should you change your personality and your style to match what they want or should you remain who you are <coughs> So and find those that appreciate who you are as opposed to changing your style? I believe you should never change. Okay, same, you should never, same as me. You should, you should never change yourself and, and how you how you do business obviously if there room if there's room for self improvement there's yeah. room for self improvement self improvement but we're, we're talking about you know character and yeah. personality and those kind of things so long story short no you shouldn't change um, but you should adapt yeah so what i mean by that is you know obviously the way you do business is you know uh, an example of you know how you might adapt in a certain market um, the, the the way in which that comes across is you know your personality so um, never change, you know, your, your personality, but you know, you might have to adapt. And what that means is, um, you need, need to understand that things are different there. And at the end of the day, if you see things enough, patterns start to fall. So why I suggested earlier is when you go to China, go with an open mind and don't go there with an expectation is because going there with an open mind, you, you're not shooting, you know, fish in a barrel, right? You, you have to really, you know, you're, you're fishing in the Okay, big, so have an big, open mind, the, the big ocean. value relationships, be patient, right. understand what you're getting yourself into, um, give it time right. and all that stuff. Let's now go to the, the parts of the market that you look at. And I was in China um, last year, a few months ago, and what I really noticed, what really stood out, and I was only in one city, right, for a very short period of time, but this slapped me in the face. It was the use of technology and how ingrained technology is into the everyday life of China, ordinary Chinese people. Right. Much, much, much more 
than us. I was sitting in taxis, 65-year-old taxi driver was all over his apps. Right, uh, was right, living right. off his app. It's 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 a different world there, man. Like, you know, unlike the West, they've they've leapfrogged technology. So they went from, you know, unlike in the West where we went from copper to Wi-Fi, they just went straight to Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi. Unlike the West where we went to like, you know, laptops, they just went to big smartphones, you know. That's why you see some, you know, people in in parts of uh, Asia, including China, that have very large smartphones because that's just their user preference. You know, they didn't have a laptop, they didn't have a desktop. They just went straight to, you know, essentially a blend, which was a phone and a computer. Yeah. And and you know, you have things like and and, and hopefully your audience, you know, uh, check this out. It's called WeChat. You know, essentially think about an app that has Facebook, Tinder, all your bank accounts, all your um, philanthropy you know, philanthropic, you know, exercise, i.e. donating to Red Cross or whatever. Um, your Tinder, you know, think yeah. of your, your phone book, yeah. your out photo album, your, like, you know, yeah. you can book tickets online. It's all complete. Planes, right. trains, get your car service. You know, it's incredible. Like, it's called WeChat. I don't know how to use it properly. I've tried multiple times. It's really easy, really easy. To be the trendy one that's, oh, you know, I've got WeChat. I, I use it all the time because, you know, I, I have a lot of friends over there. And I, I do a bit of business over there. So that's the other thing, right? So if you do go to China, make sure you download WeChat before you mm. go because everyone Everyone's is going to ask you for it. And, and nowadays, everyone people aren't on. really using business cards. You know, they'll go, WeChat, you know, what's your WeChat? Like, have you got WeChat? You know, yeah. so, it's, you know, it's kind of like... And um, even when they do have business really cards, it's just a link to their WeChat, right? Most of the time, it's yeah. It's QR code. Right, right, right. QR codes are huge. So tech's huge in China. Right. Where are the tech opportunities, you think? For uh, for somebody watching this, that's that's hungry, right? That wants to Hungry's have a good. crack. I like that. That wants to develop something or be in an industry right. that, that they can get excited about because it is on our doorstep. I think one of the key competitive advantages that Australia has is we are on the doorstep. Yeah. So yeah, the opportunity is there. Yeah. Right. We have to knock on the door and convince them. Yeah. But we're there already. We're we're very close from a west. We're like the you know one of the first western. Anglo-Saxon, yeah. you know, historical countries that are that and are the Chinese very community close. in Australia is growing, right? Becoming right. more integrated, and very, very from a cultural, perspective. very active. And there's, you know, uh, in 2013, I think Indians were the largest immigrant group. Mm. So that's the next. You know, wave, Australia right? is changing, and it's a good thing. And I think you know we've got a, a real competitive advantage by having this you know diversity. It's, but you know, so it's, how, it's how you up, use it. Yeah, let, just to wrap up, last question, which which part of the tech space okay. do you find the best opportunity? So at the moment... Um, if I develop an app, are that's, a billion that, people in China going to buy it? That ain't going to work. So really, really simple. In China, you got to, you got to, you know, follow what, what China wants, you know, and look at look at government policy. Look at, look at what the government wants to achieve. So recently, the government has been doing a big push to get people more engaged with technology and innovation. Listen Why? carefully. Listen carefully to this. Why? Because their economic dividend will come from this.